I love this because I was thinking about this week, and I had all week at home. Lydia worked hard. Uh, Hayden worked hard. I stayed at home, and I had a lot, a lot of time to think. And so God, either God has a sense of humor or timing is perfect or whatever, or he has a lesson to teach me. I don't know, but it is hilarious how the letter of the of this church um, coincided with my life. Uh, it's interesting. And uh, we're continuing our series through the book of Revelation 2 and 3. And I like going through these because you can glean... A, a nugget here, a nugget there, a little bit of truth there. And, and again, like I said earlier, there is this ouch factor of the entire thing. Uh, you look at it and you, it, my, my goal is not to make you leave this place feeling like a bonehead or a non-Christian or not saved or I think I'm far from God. That is not. My goal is that you would feel, first of all, you'd feel normal, but then you would realize the condition of where we're at. Sometimes we go, the first thing we need to do is go, okay, I need to repent right now. That's like a good thing. When you, when you say, I need to repent, that's a good thing. Okay. Instead of going, no, I don't need to repent ever. I'm doing good, which maybe I've done that or whatever. But, um, we've, this is the fourth letter to the church in Thyatira, Thyatira. And, uh, here's the map just in case you care about it. It's right in modern day Turkey. So if you ever go over there to modern day Turkey to the, between Greece, and Turkey, you get to see some wonderful, wonderful ruins of these cities. It's, in fact, if you you know what the internet is, right? You can Google, uh, you know, Ephesus or Smyrna or any one of these. You could just say ruins, and they have they have dug so much of this. And I'm fascinated. I took a class in college about biblical archaeology. To me, it's fascinating to be able to see in your mind this city and go, I can imagine the church being here. It's just, it's fascinating. It really is. I might, I should have been an archaeologist or something because it would have been amazing. But you can see in conjunction with where the apostle John was in Patmos, he's, he's, he's thrown onto the island and Jesus appears to him and says, write what you hear, write, write what you see. Okay, he's gonna be, he's gonna see this vision. He's writing this down. I don't know exactly what this means. And he says, then, and send it to these churches, these seven churches. And thank God that we have them for today because they're, they're relevant today as they are ever. In a culture we live in, it is relevant. And the, it's very relevant today. Now, the topic today is gonna be something that some people do not have a, they don't really deal with it good, or they're, they're kind of afraid of it, or we're going to talk about um, the devil impacting your life, a Christian life, like um, bugging you, uh, influencing you, whispering lies to you. Do you realize, we? if you're in the men's group, and you you know, this we say all the time, we say, do you guys know that we're at a world that's set at war? And not just a physical war. Those wars are just a just a little piece of the puzzle. It's deeper than that. We are at a spiritual battle that, that if you're a Christian and you're doing the right thing, here's what you can expect to be attacked. Okay? If you're not doing the right thing, breathe easy. You probably won't be attacked. Because why would Satan even waste his breath on someone that is not either not a Christian or a Christian who just goes, eh, I don't really need to repent. I'm good. But if you're going, have you ever noticed that the closer you get to God, the more you're attacked? And it's easy. Here's another lie from the enemy that has come into my life from time to time. Well, see, that's why God doesn't care about you. Or A, or that's A, B, 
God doesn't really exist because if God was real and the closer you get, he would protect you from all that. Listen, that thought is nice and it seems right, but here is the deal. We are still, until Jesus returns, and if you look at the Bible, it's going to get, it's the attack of the enemy towards the church is going to get worse and worse until Jesus returns. Okay, at the end, in book of Revelation, there is going to be this remnant. What does that mean? There's going to be a great falling out. Okay? People who thought they were Christians, they, uh, they, they were all about religion. They were all about, you know, making this thing a game, but there's going to be a remnant. And so what Jesus is saying right now to all of us, including those online, and this church right here and other churches, is get ready, be prepared. There's going to be battle. And you're like, well, duh, there's been battle for this, this and that and the other thing. Like, you don't even have to say it. And so that's what we're going to be dealing with today. It is not Twilight Zone stuff. I say that all the time in our men's group because some people, when they talk about demons and Satan, they just simply go, well, why, why, why even focus on that? Focus on God and everything will be take care of itself. That is ignoring the fact that we're at a war, a world that's set at war. It's like being in, it's like being in this, let's just say you're at the Civil War in the 1800s. And you go, well, let's just go hang out with Abraham Lincoln and everything will take care of itself. No, you'd probably be killed as long as with him, right? There is a war. So you have to prepare yourself and you have to battle. You have to be at war and you will win the war if you show up. If you don't show up to the battle, you're done. Okay. I'm not talking about maybe not your salvation, but you give into these things like, anxiety and fear and hopelessness and well that's just how I am that's how my family's been that's just the way it is we resign ourselves to those things and we realize we're at war we have the right and the authority you'll see it in this letter you have the authority to say no to the devil you have the authority over him he doesn't have the authority over you only if you give him the keys to that authority fine he does then but if you remain faithful to God, he has the authority and he gives you the same authority. And you go, well, you can, can't prove that. You'll find out in the Bible very clear that you have the same authority. Okay? It's not a joke. It's not like made up. It's right in the scripture. And so I, I love this. This We've been talking about this. Um, and I'm already excited. I haven't even got to my first point yet. But again, I've been thinking about this all week. Uh, we've talked about Ephesus, returning to your first love. That's pretty famous. Smyrna, remember God's faithfulness, even though that church was struggling and a lot of them died for the, for believing in Jesus. So remain faithful to him unto death because he is trustworthy. He is faithful to you. Last week was a tough one and Pergamum's letter is going to be very similar to this one. But in this church, Thyatira, there's a very, there's a very, um, specific thing that occurs in the church. Pergamum had two groups of people that crept in and they wanted to allow the church, they want to teach them to sin. Sexual morality reigned in Pergamum and Thyatira and um, idolatry. Both churches, Pergamum and Thyatira, both dealt with the exact same sins. But there was very specific reason why Thyatira did. But the message last week was refuse to compromise. Even when the culture says, eh, don't celebrate it. Don't just go, oh, it's okay. We're just going to love them to, we're going to love them to heaven. There's a, of course, we're going to love the, the we're going to love the people that are lost. We're going to love them, but we need to speak the truth in love. Okay. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's a two-sided coin. Speak the truth. We, they need to understand that God is rescuing them from death and hell. Okay. If you just say, oh, it's okay. 
they're not going to realize that they, they, they're, they're, they're destined to go to hell without Jesus. And so this week, the main idea is not a fun one, but it's to resist the enemy. Again, there's three types of people. One person that goes, yep, that's true. There, we have, a, we have an enemy. Number two is, yep, that's true. I just don't want to deal with it because it's scary. And that's Twilight Zone stuff. You're just being weird, so I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to focus on God, and Satan will just disappear. Or the third one is, you're, you're crazy and you're stupid, Pastor Joel. This is not true. Okay? There's going to be some people like that. They're like, I know it talks about the, but Jesus died, and he's victorious, and there's no battle anymore. I don't have any other explanation to how what is going on with this world. Okay, if I throw away this battle in the spiritual realm going on, then all I know is that everything's out of is out of control, and there's no explanation for it except for evil. And where does evil come from? Not God. Okay, so resist the enemy. Now, Thyatira is they all the cities always boast certain things because they needed to distinguish themselves among the, the cities. Thyatira, I love it because. We live in a small town here in Kamei. It was the smallest town among the seven churches. So uh, a lot of people would think that that's the less, it's the least important. No, they're the smallest town, but they get the longest letter because something major happens in their church that is leading people astray. Good Christians. This is the great church that we're going to be reading. They're great. They're doing the right things and they're growing in it. But their sin that they're allowing in their church is leading some people astray. And if you don't think that can happen today to good Christian folks, you're fooled then. Okay? It's reality. You can get good Christian people on the right path who they're not prepared for it. Okay, if I know if I'm at battle, the only way I can be ready for it is to be ready for to be prepared. Is to ex- anticipate it, to watch out for it, to stand strong and not just, oh, whatever, I'll just let the battle come to me, it's okay. No, we be proactive. We focus on God. We worship. We resist the enemy and he will flee. Now, it's a famous letter because Jesus is going to address the Jezebel spirit. I'm kind of curious. I think most people do. How many of us are at least familiar with that name, the Jezebel spirit? You might not be 100% Maybe some are, but some are not familiar with exactly what it is. It's a very common spirit in the church. It's very common for leaders. It's, it, it, it tends to go on more women than men, but that's not always true. Okay. In a nutshell, just to learn very quick, what is the, what is the Jezebel spirit in a nutshell? There's, a, there's a lot to it, but it is this. Someone that demands power and influence over someone that doesn't have the right to do it. Okay, and it's a, it is a, it's a, uh, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. Okay, so everybody say resist the enemy. Okay, now each one boasted about the, about their own city. And Smyrna boasted, we talked about a few weeks ago, they boasted that they were, their city was once dead, now it's alive. Jesus goes, nope, nope, I was once dead and I'm alive. Then Pergamum, they said, we're the city with the sword. We have power. We're strong. And Jesus goes, no. Who's really strong? I am the one. Jesus goes, I'm the one with the sharp two-edged sword. You remember that from last week? And if you don't know what the two-edged sword represents, you need to go last week's message on YouTube. This week, Thyatira was a small city, but they 
boasted about the fact that this small city had the most, this might not seem like a big deal to you guys, but imagine being a small city and you can boast about being the biggest workforce. Okay, the most leather workers, the, the, the most bronze workers, the most iron workers, the, the, the best potters. If you wanted pottery, you wanted to go to the gal or the guy who is the potter in town and you say, I want that. Then they're, they're, they're actually one of the richest cities in the area. Small town, a lot of money, okay? That's not usually the same thing. Usually if you're a small town, you're broke, okay? This is a very wealthy city. Why? Because it is, it, all of these cities are on the major trade route to Rome, on the way to Rome. This one is legit on the road. So there's a lot of people that travel through. They don't like living there apparently because there's a bunch of too many Walmarts. Okay, that's what the problem is. I don't want to live right next to Walmart either. But they sure would stop by and say, I need my pots. I need my leather. I need my, my pot. I need my, um, my bronze stuff. I need that. They also actually, this is a very interesting thing. I was like, wow, this makes sense why Jesus would say this at the very beginning of the letter. But they boasted about having a huge statue to the god Apollo. And you may not be familiar with Apollo, but you are familiar with in, in the Greek, um, myth, mythology, who his father would be, would be Zeus. Okay. Everybody knows Zeus, right? Of course. Apollo was the son of God. Now, who is the real son of God? Interesting. So Pergamum, including the people that were in the church, and they came from this background going, we used to believe that we are the city with the son of God where he lives. So Jesus shows up. What's the very first thing he has to say? Guess who he says? Well, well let's look. The very first verse of chapter uh, 2, verse 18. We are the city where the Son of God lives. Verse 18. Write this letter to the angel, the messenger of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from who? The Son of God. Now, if you're writing this to the church in Thyatira, they're very familiar that their city is known as the city where the Son of God lives. But he's not talking about Jesus. They're talking about Apollo. Apollo is the Son of God, lowercase s, lowercase g. Okay? So when Jesus says, hey, before you read this letter, guess where it's coming from? It's coming from the one true Son of God, capital S, capital G. Of course, we capitalize those things, of course. That's not in the original. But we capitalize it. Why? I always do. The son, he's bigger than just a son of God. We are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. But we're not the son of God, Jesus, whose eyes are like flames of fire. I don't know why I like that, but I like that. He's powerful. But whose feet are like polished bronze. So the very thing that he walks on looks like the very thing that they boast about. They're boasting about being this big, huge uh, uh people who have the most bronze, the most beautiful polished bronze. He says, wrong. Uh, my feet are like, they're shiny. They're like polished bronze. Okay, he's using imagery that will, like I look at it and go, what does that literally mean? Does he have bronze feet? No, they're like, they look like, they're shiny. So when you see Jesus in heaven, get rid of all the ideas, like Jim Caviezel, the actor, I like him, but you know, Jesus isn't going to look like that. You know, he's glorified. He's beautiful. He's like, whoa, your feet are like bronze, right? And so this is very, very huge here. By the way, this was a sinful city. 
these, these workers, they had a big trade guild, okay? All these workers would come together and have parties. And when I mean by parties, I'm talking about sex parties, okay? Where they worshiped certain gods of sex, and they actually thought it was a good thing to go sleep around with people in the city. Okay, so that's just a side note. I just want you to know where this city is coming from, that they're, they're the richest, they have the most trade, and they have these huge um, orgies, if you want to, okay? There's they, huge parties of people, and that's what they're worshiping. They're worshiping this God of sex, and they're doing this among all sorts of people, and this is among the trade guild. Like, imagine being, you're, you work for the city, and you come together with other people from the city, and then you have people from the grocery store, then you have the postmaster, and then you got someone that's uh, in charge of the city of Orfino coming, and you have all these huge parties. Well, that's going to creep into the culture. Sin is huge. So just like last week, do you remember Pergamum, what their, their boast, what, what Jesus said was about that? You are the city where Satan has his throne, right? Remember that? So Thyatira doesn't quite say that, but you have a demon who is influencing the church. Why is that possible? Because they open the door wide. Because we said last week, and we'll say it again, all Satan needs is a little bit of a foothold. That's all he needs. He doesn't need you to open the door. He just needs just a little crack of the door, and he can go, boom, even in the church. Now, I'm going to throw away the fact that I don't believe that Christians can be, uh, I don't think that they can be filled up, like where, Dwayne, you're filled up with, you're possessed by a, a demon, and you're a puppet, right? You're a puppet. You're just kind of like, that's not, I'm going to throw that away. How can the Spirit of God be mixed with a foul spirit together in your body? But we're going to talk about something different. We're going to talk about being influenced by a demon, being swayed, listening, and going, I think, I think, I think that's true. So let's move on. Verse 19. I know all the things that you do. This is a good thing for this instance. I have seen your love. Now, I want you to read this like you're, like this is your church. And tell me if it's good or not, okay? I, I, I have seen your love. I've seen your faith. I've seen your service. I've seen your patient endurance. How many of us would think that's a good thing for churches? Yeah, it is. And I can see your constant improvement. Okay, so there's two things going on here. There's two things going on here. Thank you. There we go. Perfect. Hallelujah. Thank you. It's been working all week, and look at that. We break that, bind that spirit again in Jesus' name. Amen. But everyone's online going, that Joel is kind of weird. That's okay. See, there's two things that stood out to me this week that can be a good thing for any church, any Christian. For one, you get, you focus on the important things, love, faith, service, patient endurance. Those are things that you want to be about, right? Yes. Everybody say yes. Okay. Help me here. And you want to improve those things, right? Say yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, you're like, I don't even know, right? Or yeah. No, you want to do that. So they're doing wonderful things. They're by all accounts of reading this letter, just at first glance, I've read it before. But I read it like I read it random. I'm going, this is a good church. They're not just doing the right things. They're excelling at it. They're growing. 
If, if God were to come into uh, your life and say, I'm proud of you, you're doing wonderful stuff, and you're, in fact, you're growing in that stuff, you go, yes. But, everybody say, but. You can say, but in church, that's fine. <laughs> but, good news, bad news. Good news is your, your church is doing wonderful things. Bad news is there's something going on in your church right now that you might, you're probably aware of. You might not be aware of it. He goes, I have this complaint against you. You are permitting. Everybody say permitting. Permitting. Now listen, last week they tolerated. You remember that? They tolerated two groups of people, which means they just went, eh, no big deal. Eh, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But you know what? I'm going to tolerate it. Now, they're permitting this woman, that Jezebel, let me just throw out, some people will say this is a lady that her name is Jezebel. Now, I'm going to throw that out. So I'm going to throw that away. I know some scholars say that. Um, I'm going to throw it away for a reason. I'll, get, I'll give you in a minute. For just, just in the first glance, it will say that Jezebel. Okay, it's a spirit. And you'll know if you read the book of First Kings, which we'll get in just a second, about this lady. You guys are familiar with Jezebel in the Old Testament? She, she made a man of God, Elijah, who had conquered things and had faith and hope and instantly had fear. It was because of Jezebel. She had influence over him. Okay? But this Jezebel, guess what she does? She's in the church and she leads my servants, oh wait, I'll say it. that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. Pause right there. I had to sit there. Who calls, who's calling her a prophet? Herself. Nobody's calling her a prophet. I wanted this is, I'm going to be very careful here. This is, I don't, I'm not against prophets. Does prophecy exist today? Absolutely. But I get a little nervous when I get someone that calls themselves a prophet. Like they're preaching and going, I'm a prophet. John 3.16 says, remember, I'm a prophet. Remember, I'm a prophet. Remember, I'm a prophet. They always have to, they always have to tell people, I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. Okay. I believe in prophecy. But like to, like this time, sometimes these prophets will sometimes give you new revelation that God has told me. He's never told anybody else. It's new. Just for a second, just that's a side note. Just be aware. That there's some people, sometimes they will give you new revelation that's not biblical, sounds biblical, but you gotta be aware. That's why we have to be in the Word of God, right? Right? We've gotta be in the Word of God, cause every, every Jezebel, every, every Tom or every Bill, everyone that can come in there and go, I'm a prophet. Like Joseph Smith was a prophet. Right? Okay? And the fact is, this one, she's teaching, she's leading my servants astray. And guess what? She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. Those two things we're not going to deal with completely because we dealt with that last week. Those churches last week and this week, they both deal with the same sin. This one, we're dealing with Jezebel, that spirit. She calls herself a prophet, and what is she doing? She's influencing good Christians and leading them astray. What does that mean? Look at the church in Thyatira. Look, look, just look at it for just a second. Think about it. Good church, right? Wonderful things, love, you know, uh, patient endurance, faith, 
all the good stuff, love, and they're growing in it, they're excelling it, but this lady here, she's leaving, she's leading some of them astray. Now that's why we're going to deal with it because we're not dealing with, it's not a fact that she's a woman. That's not what this is about. The fact is, it's because there was a spirit that was allowed in the church. She had the spirit of Jezebel within her. And what was going on is some good Christian people were being influenced by her and be going astray. Listen, this is the end of time. However long it is, I have no idea. 10,000 years, two years, two months, two minutes, I have no idea. All I know is that at the end of time, there's going to be just a remnant left of the church before Jesus returns. So some people are going to go left and right, okay? And so we have to be careful because in this good church, they did the right thing. I would even want to go to that church, except for the fact that some of them are being led astray. And she's teaching them something that, I guess, was very common in those days. Sexual sin. These people were very familiar with that, by the way, with this trade guild that was meeting together. Almost monthly, having these parties. We'll leave it at that. Okay? And so, next verse. I gave her time to repent. So, what did God do? Patience. God didn't react to her like we would. Get out of here! Jesus goes, I'm giving her time. Jesus is so merciful. Jesus is so kind. Jesus has, so, why has he not come back yet? Here's the, here, here's the reason why I think that he hasn't come back yet. Patience. Extreme patience. More patience than I can ever have. I'm glad I'm not God, but I'd be like, forget it. I'm out. I'm done. We're, 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 we're ending this thing and we're wrapping this up. Let's go. But I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. How many of us have ever known someone or we, at, from time to time, we know where we're wrong, but we don't want to repent? Now, I'm going to read some of the scariest verses of all the Bible right here, the next two. It's so scary. In fact, some of us would go, what about that love of God? What about the, what about the grace and the mercy? He gave her time to repent, right? But look at the results. Because she refused to repent. This lady, I will throw her on a bed of suffering. Who? Who's going to throw her on the bed of suffering? Jesus. And those who commit adultery with her. So they're having these parties in this church. Remember, she's a teacher. She's a prophet. She's a, she's like, she's a self-proclaimed prophet, but she's a prophet. And she's leading these people in these parties, these orgies, in the church. So because of that, Jesus goes, now's the time I'm going to make her suffer. And those who commit adultery, I'm going to allow them to suffer greatly unless they repent and they turn away from their evil deeds. Here's another scary verse. I'm glad I went to church, but this is a scary verse. I will strike her children dead. Now, two thoughts about that. First, I don't like that statement. I don't. The kid didn't do anything, right? Okay, but I will say a side note to that. I don't like what's going on here. I don't like that that says that, even though it's Jesus saying it. I'll admit to Jesus, I don't like that. But it must mean 
that Jesus takes sin very seriously. So this is no game that we're playing. I will strike your children dead. Why? They didn't do anything wrong. They're innocent. They're outside of that whole thing. But he takes sin very seriously, especially when it comes to the church. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out every out the thoughts and intentions of every person. And I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. Who's it talking about? Talking to those people who are not repenting. Now, he's not talking to the people who are doing great. Okay? He's talking about the people who, he's talking about this Jezebel, and he's talking about the group of people that have already been led astray. They're part, they're participating. Then he moves on, and he says something to the rest of them. He says, but I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching. Okay, so there is a remnant in this church that have not, they've refused to follow her. They've not followed this false teaching. Deeper truths, as they called them. So what did they call this? What did this so-called prophet, what did she call these things that she was preaching? Deeper truths. This is just something that God revealed to me. This is not in the Bible. It's just something that God revealed to me. So you can trust me. I was praying one day and I was at my, I was on my knees praying and all of a sudden the Lord just told me, have these wonderful parties at church. It will draw a crowd. They're going to have fun. People that in the culture think that church is not fun, we'll have the fun. And they're like, ooh, she's right. But they're not deeper truths. Jesus, he calls them, they're actually depths of Satan, actually. These truths are not from God, they're from Satan, the liar. Okay? I will ask nothing more of you. Okay, so the people who are doing fine, I'm going to ask nothing more of you. Phew! That's nice. See, other letters, Jesus said, but I need you to do this. This letter, he goes, you're doing fine. If you're still, if you're there, if you haven't gone over to her side, I'm not asking anything more from you at all. And he does, he does say except, which is part of, it's except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. For you guys, for this church now, for you guys, when we stand strong in our faith and we stand against the, the, the demons that are trying to tear everyone apart, the, especially if you're close to God, we stand against that. We remain faithful. We remain strong. Hold tightly to Jesus until he comes back. So that's what this letter is about. Verse 26, to those who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them, here it goes, I'm going to give authority over all the nations. Okay, specifically, it's it's talking about the not only the nations in the world, but you have the authority over the demonic realm. Because Satan is the ruler of the world, and the world, without even knowing it, has given him authority over the world. I will give to who? To the church. I'll give them the authority over all the nations. They, who's they? The church, you and I, they will rule the nations with an iron rod and will smash them like clay pots. Think about it in terms, not just with the world, but the demonic realm. You're going to smash them. And this is where I like to, I was thinking about this week. We have permission to tell Satan where he can go. Satan, you can go to hell. It's the only time that I give you permission to say that out loud. Don't tell that to someone at your neighbor. Don't say go to hell. That does not work. 
Okay, but you can tell Satan, I know exactly where you can go. And that's what that's talking about there. They will rule the nations with an iron rod. Verse 28, they will have the same authority. Everybody say same authority. They will have the same authority I receive from my father, and I'll give also give them the morning star. Verse 29, anyone with ears to hear, a teachable spirit, they must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Now, this church is actually a really good church. But it's the most dangerous church. Because you think everything's going good, and underneath all the goodness, all underneath all the good decisions that you're doing, there is a battle going on. And specifically in this church, it was a spirit of Jezebel. Very, very dangerous spirit. And uh, they're growing, but they needed to resist the enemy. Right? In fact, James 4, 7 gives you the answer. If you're dealing with demonic oppression, if you're dealing with influence, I'm not talking about possession. I'm just talking about him bugging you. I'm talking about him going, hey, leading, trying to lead you astray. There's an answer. So humble yourselves before God. Another translation, which I like to put these two together, humble yourselves, it will say, submit yourselves to God, therefore. Okay, so submit to God. Submit to his ways. Lord, your ways are better than mine. I know something's going on here, but your ways are better than my ways. I'm going to trust your ways. Then resist the devil, and he might flee from you. Someone needs to correct me a little bit there, right? I'm, I'm, I'm wrong on purpose. Just a side note. He will. Now, I'm not saying that there won't be a fight. I'm not saying there's going to be a, there, there will, there'll be a fight. He's not going to go and leave. He'll, he's like a little kid, a toddler. Say, you say to the toddler, no, you go to your room and the toddler is not going to just, okay. They're going to fight and scream and kick and bite and scratch. Did I say bite twice? Yeah, yeah. Bite, scratch, claw, scream, drag their feet before they actually go away. But when you humble yourselves, this is the this is the takeaway for all of us. When you humble yourself and you submit to God in his ways and you resist the devil and you are out loud saying, no, you have no authority over me. Jesus has the authority, but he gave me the authority. He gave me the keys and I, I take that back from you. Every authority I gave you, it's, you, see, some of us, even online, you're going, this is guy is cuckoo. For his cocoa puffs, okay? No, I mean I might be, but I'm telling you what is biblical. That entire churches, entire Christians ignore this part, and they wonder why they always deal with stuff. But if you're prepared for it, you go, I know exactly what's going on. Then you know what to do. Then you know how to respond instead of going, Ah, oh, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know. What is, I, I'm trying to. Where's the Bible? Uh, I don't even know where it's at. Uh, uh, but resist, and he what? will flee from you, not might. At least that's not my Bible. Maybe it's in your Bible. It's not my Bible. He will. He will flee from you, right? So if, I want to be very honest here, this might seem mean, but in my life, if the enemy is not fleeing me, I must either not be humbling to God, I must not be submitting to his ways, and I'm not resisting the devil. One of those or both. I must not be resisting the devil. I might just say, oh, I could just... Focus on God, and he'll take care of himself. Baloney. 
He's fighting. He knows exactly where his future is. He knows where your future is, and he's jealous of it. He knows that he had what you're going to have for all eternity, and he lost it. And he never will get it back. And he knew, imagine having heaven for eternity, and you blew it. And then someone who is God's prized possession, you and I, and you're going, that was me. You're going to fight them. You're going to kick, scream, scratch, claw, yell before you go to hell. That's exactly what he's doing these days. That's why it's worse today. So the church in Thyatira, there was a woman with a demonic spirit of Jezebel. Okay? She had the power of demons to lead people astray. Okay? A Jezebel spirit at its core is someone that demands power and influence over a crowd of people when she doesn't have the authority. This Jezebel had never had the authority. That's why she had to call herself a prophet. Nobody gave her the authority. God didn't. The church didn't. She just simply stood up. This is not a sermon against women influencers, women prophets. And It says that the Bible says, and this will split some people watching online, but the Bible says that all of us will prophesy. That's what it says. Okay? You can rip down your Bible, but it's still there. Okay? I know that's a very controversial topic about women in leadership. Okay? But I'm just reading the Bible from cover to cover. Um, but this Jezebel, this is not just about women in leadership. This is about someone who had no authority and she had influence over good people and swayed them one way. That is classic Jezebel spirit that is very common these days. I mean, I've been, I, I was part of a ministry in college that we dealt with demon possession all the time. I don't know, maybe it was, I don't know, I have no idea why that church in that area, that town I was in, I was a, a youth pastor in Linwood, Washington. I don't know if they had extra demon, I have no idea. But the one more common one was Jezebel. Very common. Not always women, by the way. It's whoever doesn't have the authority and they, they, they demand the authority and influence over people. They demand it. In fact, I should, I really should go over to my office door and put Pastor Joel on there. And I demand you to call me Pastor Joel, right? No. I remember in college, I thought, I can't wait till someone calls me Pastor Joel. I can't wait to have my name, my little plaque on my, I thought everybody pastor had a plaque on his desk. Pastor. I don't have one of those. That's okay. Some people, hey, what do I call you? I call you pastor. I call you Joel. You can call me by, you can just don't call me late for dinner, right? You can call me Joel. You can call me Bill. My middle name's William, so that could be proper. And, uh, but I love this because it, you see a church in action where the demons are actually leading people astray. So my first question today, we have two questions and can Christians be influenced by demonic spirits? Not possessed. Can they be influenced? To be honest with you, this is a question that's debated. You go, how can the spirit of God and demonic spirits, how can they mix? How can oil and water mix? How can salt water and fresh water mix? And that's true. So I'm going to throw away possession where you're a puppet and Satan's the puppeteer. He just has a little puppet and you're just kind of, you're like Pinocchio, right? Someday you're going to be a real boy, but you're not right now. And you're just kind of like, that's that, I'm going to throw that away right now. I'm just going to reject that because it's true. You're full of the Spirit of God. Say, I'm full. 
him full of it. The spirit, yes. I wanted everyone to say that. I'm full of it. Yeah. I wanted, I, I, can they be, it's actually been debated, but I will say 100% in my opinion, I know in my, in my life, Satan attacks Christians all the time. Now I will say he's not, he's not omnipresent. He's not all powerful. He's not. He's not omnipresent. Satan is not here while he's over there. That will free some of us. So he's not all powerful. Okay? He's not omnipotent, which is the real word, I guess. But he is an influencer. He just whispers sweet nothings into your ear. Little half-truths where you can, he will sway and influence even the closest of believers to God. The evidence is right in the church in Thyatira. They were a good church, yet they were swayed and influenced. Some of them were led astray. Some of them weren't. So can an influence, can a Christian be influenced by a demonic spirit? Absolutely. Now, coincidence or not, this last week I had a lot of time at home by myself. And that could have been part of it. Um, I had something come up that brought deep anxiety. How many of us, be honest, if you don't want to be honest, don't. How many of us have ever dealt with anxiety? How many of us have dealt with anxiety and it stayed there for a long time? It just, it just, it was like, a, it was like fog that wouldn't go away. Have you ever thought about why this is just an example or fear or why does it stay around so much? And someone says, oh, just take care of it. Just get rid of it. You can just throw away anxiety. No, you can't. By the way, everything we're talking about today, this is not against medication. I'm just throwing that out. Okay? But I will say the the absolute source of all healing is my God and Savior. Okay? But I will say, I'll just throw it out there. This is not against... If I asked, when I was at home, I said, just for fun, I said, hey, Alexa, what do I do if I have anxiety? She goes, you're going to need, you need counseling and you need medication. That was her two things. Now, if you have counseling, good Christian counseling, go for it. It's great. Okay, if you have medication that works, fine. This is not a sermon against that, right? Someone's like, if, do I say yes? Do I, do I? Okay, we're not going to get into any more detail on that part of it. But we will say the answer to all of this is the living God. I was dealing with something that was such a huge, it was Monday, the very first day of my staycation. I was by myself. And I've learned that I'm not a healthy person when I'm by myself. I need my family. Right? So you guys who live by yourself and you're doing good, God bless you. I'm not that good. I need people. <laughs> but I felt my heart racing. I was legitimately sweating. It wasn't even hot. It was cold that day. My Probably like right now, my face was flush. It's because I'm preaching. I always, um, my heart was beating. My my blood pressure, my high blood pressure, boom, right through the sky. You know, when a demonic oppression is on you, it could easily manifest in many, 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 many physical ways. And I felt ill. So Tuesday rolls around. I have no reason to be anxious, but it's just there. I can't explain it. Like Tuesday, like, 
there was, I, there was a few things that happened, but then the Tuesday, it was fine. Everything's fine. But I still had that simmer. It's like when, when you simmer food. It's just this little simmer. And I said, Lord, what do I do? I am like, I'm desperate. It's only been two days. Which two days with anxiety is tiring. God said, just, you, you have, God goes, you have an Alexa. You go say, Alexa, put on some worship music. And good thing she does, still do that. She goes, here's a playlist that you might like. Here's praise and worship. And then she'll play worship music. So I've cranked that up. Nobody was at home. I prayed against the spirit of oppression and deep depression and anxiety and fear. And I, I worshiped as loud as I could. Nobody was there. So nobody's going to take pictures or video or laugh at me or whatever. They wouldn't laugh at me. But they may take pictures. I'm just saying. But I'm just, and I'm on my knees in my living room just worshiping. And that spirit just melted away. Does that mean it's completely, it's going to be gone forever? No. You got to fight. When the first, when you're in a war, you get the first line of uh, uh, attack that come to you. You defeat that attack and they're like, oh, then the enemy will send another troop, another troops to get you again. This is not to make you fear. This is to make us get ready. Right? So was it completely gone? On Tuesday it was. Tuesday was a great day. It was great. Now, my week was great. I had a lot of time to think about this, okay, which gets me all excited a little bit. But um, so what I do, I, ha- I-, I submitted myself to God in his ways. I resisted the devil out loud. I said, you don't have any authority. And the only thing he could, the only thing the devil could say is, I know. Then get out of here. Out loud. Some of us would never do that because that's cuckoo. That's, you know, it's a little, that's, that's the part of Christianity that's over here, right? That's, you know, speaking in tongues and weird stuff. It's, listen, just because it makes you uncomfortable doesn't make it not true. It's true. You try to explain all the rest of this chaos in the world without the devil. I have no idea. It means it leaves it to the human tendency to always just be evil all the time, no matter what. The reality is the devil is, he's kicking his feet and screaming on his way to hell. I should say on his way to the lake of fire. Remember Peter? In the Gospels, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Their disciples gave them stupid answers. This guy, that guy, the other guy. But who do you say I am? Peter's like, you're the Messiah, the son of the... Living God, Jesus says something amazing. He goes, ding, ding, ding. No, that's not what it says. He goes, he goes, the Father revealed that to you, not you. So who was Peter influenced by at that moment? God, the Holy Spirit, revealed to him who Jesus was. A couple verses later, Peter does something. Jesus goes, I have to die. No, you're not. Then now, Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan, for you don't have the mind and will of God. Why? Because now he's being influenced by Satan. One moment, he's being influenced by God. The Holy Spirit said, you're the Messiah. But then, all of a sudden, now he goes, no, but my Messiah, he doesn't die. Well, then you're not biblical. You haven't read the Old Testament, okay? You haven't read Isaiah, so Jesus goes, you didn't, you, you didn't say that. Satan influenced you by that. So can you do both? Can you be influenced by the Spirit of God? Absolutely. Can you be influenced and like, kind of swayed? Absolutely. 
if it happened to Peter, it can happen to us. And the church in Thyatira, they were influenced by the spirit of Jezebel. Now, this is another, this is a question that's very important. How do you know that you're being attacked? What are some signs? Now, I'm going to throw out something that's very, it, it may be, you may think it. You're going to, do you think that Satan's under every single rock in your life? Everything, every headache, everything, every, listen, all I'm doing in my life is I'm being prepared. Do I have a headache? Sometimes when I have a headache, is it just a headache? Sure. Right? Sometimes a headache is just a headache. Sometimes I get a stomachache because I'm worried and I get a stomachache. Okay? But we don't, we, we, we minimize the fact that Satan's at work in your life, trying to influence you. So, I believe that this lady is not, her name's not Jezebel. It'd be a hard time believing that this lady was named Jezebel from her parents. Jezebel was very known from the Old Testament. There's no way, I don't know if, you guys have a cousin named Jezebel? Or do you have teachers that when you were kids named Jezebel? I can't think of one person that's named Jezebel. You just say, oh, she's like Jezebel. That's not a good thing. Or you say, that lady in, in, that lady at that church, she's got the Jezebel spirit. That's what we usually say. Okay? But what are some signs? There's, this is not the only signs. These are signs that I thought about based on 1 Kings chapter 19 because that's the chapter when Jezebel is in. She's in 1 Kings 19. So the first thing that I would say is if you're dealing with fear, say fear, fear, how many of us, quick Bible quiz question. How many of us believe that fear is from God? 1% of the time? 0% of the time fear is from God. 0%. He is not, you don't have the spirit of fear, right? It doesn't come from God. Now, does that mean every time I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm walking, I see, if I see a, if my wife sees a spider and she says, ah! I'm scared. Is that Satan? This is not the fear we're talking about. Or if Hayden says that. There's a spider. It's huge. And it's like, it's like, let me get the magnifying glass, see where it's at. Right? I don't like, I don't like bugs in the house, but that's beside the point. Right? But fear, I'm talking about a fear of the unknown, the fear of the future, the fear of whatever, destruction, the fear of harm, the fear of you're driving, you don't, you, you have, you're, you're locked. You can't drive because you fear that you're going to get in a car accident. Whatever the case may be, I'm talking about fear that causes you to not do what God's calling you to do. That is not from God. In fact, that is the opposite of God. That fear says, I can't, and you may disagree with this, but I put a lot of thought this week into this. Fear, and I'm not just preaching, I lived this out this last week. Fear says, I can't trust God in his ways. That's why I have to resubmit myself to God in his ways. Then it makes sense. Oh, okay. This is not from God. First Kings chapter 19 gives us a story about Elijah and Jezebel. Chapter 18 is a very famous chapter and it is, I would say it is God. It's a story of God doing something very physical that was very obvious. Sometimes, and I want to be very careful with this statement, but sometimes churches and Christians say, God did this. And then there might be someone that might say, I don't think that was God. I think, and they make all sorts of excuses why it's not God. 
coincidence. Okay. This was, there's no doubt about it. God showed up. They go on the mountaintop and, and Elijah and these prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Baal, if I remember right, they, they, they challenge each other to a God duel. I mean, I want to see this. And of course, the real God wins and the prophets of Baal say, they, they're screaming out to their God. And then so Elijah goes, Hey, he must be sleeping. And I like this one. He must be using the bathroom. He must be doing number two, right? It takes a while, right? He, he goes, he goes, uh, and what happens? Fire from heaven. It's obvious. And so to me, if that is me and it's an obvious thing, I'm on, I'm on cloud nine with God. Yes. How many of you guys know when you, when something is, when you're victorious in God, be careful what's right around the corner. Because when victory comes, attack comes. And how do I know that? Elijah in chapter 19, it says this. Now remember, he's cloud nine. He's, God just proved to him that he exists. And he proved to all these prophets of Baal, except for one lady. What's her name? Jezebel. I had to do that. Okay. Chapter, uh, I don't know where that, chapter nine, uh, verse one through three. When Ahab got home, this king, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and God, according to Elijah, including the way he had killed the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel, who's so evil that we call a spirit, we name a spirit after her. Okay? People looked at that spirit and go, I don't know what else to call her. I'm going to call her Jezebel because that's exactly what she had. She had a spirit about her. Okay? This is not normal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike, she's not a Christian, may the gods, lowercase g, may they strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Pause. What did God just do for Elijah? He just proved that he does, Elijah doesn't need to do anything, God's going to do the work. But when one lady who I believe 100% she was demon-possessed. When she said something, she swayed him, she brought fear, she influenced him somewhat with fear. And so Elijah was afraid, so no longer is he man of God, like, yes, he's afraid because of one lady, and he fled for his life. That's fear. Fear, If you know, how do you know if you're being attacked? You're dealing with fear and anxiety. Because it will, st- have you ever wondered why that kind of stuff stays with you? It lingers. And sometimes you have no reason to have that feeling anymore, right? And it's still there. Trust me, I know that. I'm like, I, there is no, I have zero proof that what I'm worried about is going to happen, yet it's still there. Why is that? Because it's a spirit. The spirit of fear. The spirit of anxiety is definitely not from God. Number two. Depression, oppression, depression, if you have a sense of hopelessness. When I moved to Kamei 20 years ago, there was this cloud of depression in this community and in Kuski. Huge. I felt it. I knew, I, 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 I can't explain it, but I could just, when I came into this town, the first thing I experienced, depression. I could just feel it. It was like a cloud. It was fog. I can't explain it, and I'm not the only one that's ever said that. 
So if you're dealing with depression, it's not the end of the world. You're not a non-Christian. You're not, you're not an atheist. You're not, you're not a bad Christian. You're being attacked. Verse four. Then Elijah went alone to the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. You ever had that prayer? Lord, I'd rather die. I want to throw this out. Before I was a Christian, I had very much thoughts of suicide. Can Christians have thoughts of suicide? Sure they can. If you're a real Christian, you wouldn't have those thoughts. That's from the devil or some bad Christians. Sometimes you don't even need the devil. You just need other Christians who are telling you non-truths. If you're dealing with depression and thoughts of suicide, these might not be coming just from your brain. This might be coming from an influence of the spirit saying, you'd be better off dead. Because that's what he says. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than the ancestors who have already died. I'm good as dead. God just did something amazing. And now he's throwing it away. Why? Because of Jezebel, who influenced him, who put upon him a cloud of fear and depression. It means you're being attacked. Number three, fatigue. Not tiredness. Fatigue. You're tired of being tired. You're tired of being tired. You're, you're tired. You can't even, you can't move forward in life. You can't move forward in God because you're just weary. Verse five and six. Then he lay down and slept. He fell asleep. That's a side note. Some of us just seen a nap. Okay. Naps do wonders sometimes. Sometimes it makes you feel worse, but that's another sermon. And he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. I want that angel in my life. He looked around, and there beside his head was some baked bread on hot stones. I looked at different translations. There's a translation that says hot cakes. Oh, man. So the Bible says that if you're going through depression, get a nap, get some water, eat some cake. I don't say the Bible says so. New King James, King James, something like that. I don't know what it is. But um, hot cakes, it says that. I almost read a different translation just because of that. But that's prescription from God. If you're depressed, go ahead and have your chocolate. Okay? Right? And a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he lay down again. Okay? Now, he had fatigue. Did it help him to sleep and eat and drink? Of course. That's that's true. It's true. And last, this is not in the story, but it's definitely part of Revelation 2. If you are in a season of immorality, you're beginning a season of immorality where you're, it seems like you're being tempted more and more and more. You're being pulled, especially when it comes to Jezebel and you're being tempted sexually. Okay. Cause that was an influence that she was doing in the church. That's why you have a lot of, uh, Jezebel spirit ladies in the world or even the church are very sexual. Okay, right? Have you ever heard that? Yes, right? It's very true. Uh, and again, the Jezebel spirit can go on anyone, men or women, but traditionally it's been women. And not only do they influence with their spiritual stuff, but they influence the people with their bodies. And so we've got to be very careful. If you're in a season, all of a sudden you don't, you, you, you're going back five steps with God. You're going backwards. You might not be doing that by yourself. You may be influenced by a spirit. Look, 
I have this complaint against you, verse 20 of Revelation 2. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. What, is she, this, what, is this, what does this person do? This demon? This demon leads my people astray. This demon teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. This demon will go, it's okay. You deserve it. It will make you feel good. And I will agree with that. Sin makes you feel good. And then it makes you feel terrible. It makes you feel good. Then it makes you feel guilty. And you're always looking behind your back. Who's watching you? Right? Horrible feeling. Let's be free from that. Right? And when you, but if you're dealing with this, this season of sin or you're, you feel pulled in, in sin more than normal, you just have a little bit, maybe your little uh, spiritual antenna that needs to, you need to get that little bit of, I, I think, I think the devil's doing something. What do you do? You do the things, and we're going to close with this. What do you do if you're under attack? A couple of things, then we'll be done. You stop. Don't freak out. Don't think you're not a Christian. You recognize what's going on. Oh, okay. Then you humble yourself before God. You submit to him and his ways. Lord, your ways are better than mine. You give him authority. And he says, yes, I have authority, but I give you authority too. And what do you do? You out loud, you speak against the enemy because he's listening. You have no right in my life. You have no right in my marriage. You have no right in my my mind. You have no right in my heart. You have no right in my, my whatever, in my life. You have no right and no authority. I take back the authority I gave you unintentionally or intentionally. I take it back. I give the authority to God. He hands me some authority. And I say, get, go to hell, right? And then, and this might be out of order, but then you could pray and, Worship and read the scripture beforehand, but that's a good way to just go. Okay, I'm going to finish this with some worship. I'm going to finish this with prayer. I'm going to finish this with reading the scripture because what's going to happen is God's going to wash over you. It's like living water flowing through a dirty pipe. And it's like, it's like Drano. Love that, love that gel Drano that just sticks to the pipes. And you turn on the hot water and all that crud just goes right down. That is the only way I think about it when it comes to worship when you're dealing with stuff. It cleans the pipes, the spiritual pipes, and you're free, right? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. This is a tough one because we don't want to deal with this, but it is the right thing. It's healthy to deal with this because we recognize for it for what it is. Satan has no right, no authority. So we say no to you over this church, over this country, over Israel, over our lives. We say no to you, Satan, and yes to you, Jesus. You have all authority. We give you the rights of our life, Jesus. You have the rights. You have the keys. You have the authority. And and it's not Satan's. And we are free, and we're free, and we're free. And we will celebrate that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We we will have Wednesday night. We Sometimes on Wednesday night, we won't be able to do it. Just saying. Some things come up. So thank you for that permission and that uh, saying thank you. Just thank you. Okay, not being so, no, you know. Some things come up once in a while, but we will have it this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Amen? God bless you.